Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me today is one of our most popular guests on the show, Caleb Jenks. Caleb, how are you this evening? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on again. Good. We're glad to have you on, and I'm excited about this topic. We decided that we were going to talk about the criminal justice system, and we're definitely going to focus, I would say, a good amount of this time going over the death penalty, uh, capital punishment. So, Caleb, you came up with this one. Uh, Any reason you wanted to get into this one? Uh. I don't know. I figure it's it's probably something that most Christians have on their mind from time to time. If you hear it come up, uh, the debate whether or not we should support the death penalty, and it's it's probably a I think it's somewhat of a debated topic, uh, but I think it's probably wise to have a clear understanding or a, a clear view on this because if you don't, I don't think if you don't have a clear view on the death penalty, uh, your moral compass is uh, skewed from the start because it's a pretty black and white issue. I agree. And I know where you fall on the argument. And, uh, you know, I know you know where I fall on the argument. And our audience must know where I fall on which side of this argument. If anybody's been with me for, you know, a month, they have a pretty good feeling of who Patrick is and where he falls on most things. Now, before we get into that, do you mind if we just talk about the criminal justice criminal justice system a little bit? Because I kind of wanted to give this as an intro. Otherwise, I think a lot of people are going to completely misunderstand a lot of the ideas behind capital punishment. Right. Okay. So here's what I had. So for those of you that might be new who are listening to us somewhere, whether live on here. Oh, by the way, we we got a few folks that are already live. I got my phone plugged into the board. So if you know me personally and you have my phone phone number, you can go ahead and call into the show. Whether I take your call or not, you know, is yet to be seen. But if you want to be involved, also, if you're watching the video live, type in a question, type in a question, type in a comment. We, We watch you know, for those, and we're happy to allow you to be part of this show. So don't be afraid to get involved. All right. So with that being said, and one thing that's nice about asking Patrick questions is, you know, that, you know, that he's always going to uh, be very charitable in his answer. So (laughs) go ahead and uh, go ahead and ask it in the most controversial way. We, We promise we won't make fun of you. You know what? I would not promise people things that you're not going to be able to keep. But you know what, Caleb, part of the charm of the Bible Thumper podcast is that the host is an opinionated guy that's not scared to take a strong stance on subjects. If people didn't like that, they would not be listening to this podcast because that's all I have to offer. So with that being said, for those of you that might be new and might not have heard this podcast before... As with every topic we discuss when looking for direction, we must first look to the Bible for direct answers. Do you have any issue with that, Caleb? Nope. Okay, now when we can't find a direct answer from the Bible, then we look to the Bible for principles to help guide us when we are forming an answer for every question that comes up. 
Do you have any issue with that, Caleb? No. All right. On top of that, everybody should know that we here at the Bible Thumper podcast don't care what is popular or palatable in the world. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) We on the Bible Thumper podcast care about what the Bible says. And we on the Bible Thumper podcast believe that the Bible has the perfect answer to the problems that arise in this imperfect world. Any objections there? No. Okay. I mean, ideally, that's that's that that's our ideals, whether or not we always live by it. Or oh, not. yeah. I don't know whether how how I don't know what our batting percentage is, but yeah. that's that's when what we're, we're when we're on the air when when we're on the air. I think we bat we bat pretty good. <laughs> Okay, so I wanted to start by talking about the criminal justice system in general. And I wanted to talk about the criminal justice system that God laid out in the Bible and talk about some Bible verses that will help kind of guide and direct us as we're talking about the criminal justice system. Later on, we're definitely going to get into capital punishment, and we're going to talk about that a bunch and answer questions and go through everything. So, Caleb, I'm going to start by asking you a few questions. I don't expect you to have the answers, but understand they're not rhetorical questions. So, you know, feel free to jump in and give me your best answer. Or if you don't want to sound foolish, because obviously I did my research and I have the answers here, you can just say, oh, Patrick, I know the answer, but you you explain it so much better. Why don't you just take this? Okay, Caleb, what is the purpose of the criminal justice system? as described by God in the Bible. To punish evildoers. Okay. It, it that in, is in 100% Romans, it, uh, correct. That's part of it. Keep going. Yeah, in Romans it says that the the government does not bear the sword in vain. Um, and I think that, that when it refers to the sword, it would act- actually be talking about carrying out capital punishment. I mean, obviously, if you're using the sword, uh, it's it would be used to execute people. So I, I think that it would be referring to the criminal justice system and that it's that it is ordained by God to punish evildoers. Uh, I think you're 100 percent correct. But along with that, and I'm going to see if I can put this up on the screen, if Romans 13, 3 and 4 is what Caleb was uh, quoting part of that verse. And I wanted to read. Uh, the whole uh, portion of Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. Because, and listen listen to this, Caleb, because I I guarantee you've never, you would never hear this idea come from most Christians. The purpose of the criminal justice system, as described by God in the Bible, is to, one, be a terror to the evil. Number two, it's to cause fear in them that do evil. And number three, it is to exact revenge and wrath upon them that do evil. How does that going to fit on a (laughs) t-shirt? And I I make that joke because t-shirt Christianity, bumper sticker Christianity is always, you know, soft and fluffy and, you know, non-confrontational. So here's the verses. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. 
for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And Caleb, you listed the one tool that is listed here to be used against evil. What was that tool? A sword. It was a sword. So I find this to be interesting because a lot of people, especially nowadays, people have this idea that the criminal justice system, it's to reform people. But that was never God's intent. The purpose of the criminal justice system was to punish evildoers and it was to bring restitution to the victims. And we're going to see that as we go through a whole bunch of Bible verses. Anything to add there? Uh, no, I think it's uh, that it's important to note this is a New Testament scripture. This is something that's brought up uh, in the context of uh, the understanding of Jesus's teachings about um, loving your enemy and turning the other cheek and all of those things. But there is still this concept of revenge and justice and uh, the, like you said, the terror of being, being afraid of what happens if you, if you're evil, the law was ordained by God to take care of this, of this particular issue. So it's, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound very Christian of Paul to be writing this to the Romans because it's like, wait a minute, this is the same, this is the same gospel here where we are supposed to be turning the other cheek and loving our enemies and praying for those that persecute us. And now we are hearing about something here that God has ordained um, that the, that the law or the justice system, which originally, I think when this first came into being there, when, when Noah got off the ark and God first, the first command here of capital punishment, uh, there was no government in place then. And I think now, I think it's pretty well widely accepted that the government is, that's the government's job. We as Christians don't go out and seek revenge. Uh, individually, we, we would leave that. I mean, it's a little different if you catch somebody in the act as far as self-defense, that's different. But as far as seeking revenge, the law has the right to go after somebody and actually seek revenge and, and put somebody to death. And I think it's a biblical right. Okay, so now I want to get into some penalties and talk about some ideas here in the Bible. So keep in mind, uh, we, we are going to tackle capital punishment, but that's not where I'm starting. We're trying to build oh, up yeah. to that. Okay, right. so, go ahead. So the Bible talks a lot about theft, and the way that uh, we are supposed to deal with theft. So I'm going to give you a couple verses. They're going to be a little bit untimely. Uh, they're not really going to fit in uh, too well with modern day American culture, but we're still going to understand the principle. Uh, here we read in Exodus chapter 22, verses one and two, if a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. So the Bible tells us that the theft of an oxen comes with a 400% markup. You steal one, you got to pay back five, the one you stole and four more. 
and the theft of a sheep comes with a 300% markup. Now, why sheep are less valuable in God's eyes than oxen, I I would like to turn that question over to Caleb. Uh, He is the sheep expert living out in uh, (laughs) South Texas. So could you, could you comment on that? Is there, is there any light you could shed on that? I have I have no idea why God looks at uh, at a sheep or an oxen differently, but obviously there's a difference between different crimes, and certainly a difference between a sheep or an oxen and a human. So I think that's where you're headed with this. Yeah, the and and really one of the things I wanted to point out is that the uh, here's one of the problems. So let me ask you a question. Let me just let me just go back and 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 start from scratch here. Caleb, have you ever been the victim of a crime, specifically a theft? Yes. Okay. Was it something where you called the police and tried to go through the criminal justice system in order to get justice? Yes. How long was it until you realized that was a complete joke and a total waste of your time and nothing was going to be accomplished? Was it like in the first Uh, 10 minutes or did it take like over an hour? (laughs) I would say after the second or third time of calling back in and realizing that they didn't even have a case number assigned, <laughs> that I realized that they weren't terribly hot on, on the trail of the thief. All right. And the reason I joke about that is because anybody that's listening who has called the police and reported something that was stolen, unless it was your youngest child, nobody is showing up. Nobody cares. I mean, they're... It is so far down the line. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, your motorcycle was stolen out of your driveway. Okay, well, come on down here to the station with a uh, with a picture and uh, the model and serial number of the motorcycle and give it to the receptionist. Or actually, if the receptionist isn't there, just crumple it up and throw it in the trash can next to her <laughs> desk, and we'll get to it just as quickly. <laughs> i mean it is such a joke so anyone that has ever called the police and you had something of value even of great value that was taken from you what you learn very quickly is nothing is going to be done and we don't care uh so if anyone has had an experience that is even 10 percent different than what i just explained please email me bible thumper podcast at gmail.com i have never heard of a story other than this is a complete joke why do we even pay you know taxes like what's the point of you know why are these guys even here okay now here's the point that i'm trying to make if you've gone through the process and they catch the guy and they even catch him with your stuff. You're lucky if you're going to see that stuff within years because it's evidence and it's going to be locked up in some room until, uh, you know, they go through the whole rigmarole and then maybe you'll get it back or the stuff is sold and then they might have to pay some fines, which the state keeps, and they might have to serve some jail time, which is funded by you. Uh, and then when they get out, how much do they, what do they write you a check for, Caleb? You want to guess what percentage of the amount of money that they stole from you do they have to pay back? It's certainly not, certainly not 400%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the point. So when you go through this whole process, you're, you, you continually ask yourself, what is the point? I had a scooter 
stolen from my property last year, I didn't even call the police. My thought is it's a bright orange scooter and I know the identifying marks on the thing. So if I find the guy in town that has it, I'll just drag him off the road and beat him for a little while and I'll feel better. He can keep the scooter. Okay. But trying to call the police thinking that something is going to be done is just a joke. So I, I literally didn't even call. I'm like, oh, that's just a waste of time. I'll just buy another one. Okay. <clears throat> the point is that the Bible mandate is that the penalty is severe enough to where it is going to do what, Caleb? It puts fear or terror into the heart of the evildoer. Which will deter crime. Right. See, if you steal something valued at $1,000, and at the end of the day, you might have to go to jail for a week, and you get out and you have to pay fines to the state and you have to go through some classes or do whatever and you're on probation, you still never have to pay that money back to the victim. Now, there are cases where the victim is going to try to get their money back and they, the victim might even sue you in civil court. But even after that, they still have to come after you and try to get the money out of you by putting a lien on your bank account. It is horrible and it's so much work and so much energy that unless you have a substantial amount stolen from you, it's not even worth doing. Whereas in the Bible times, it's like, nope, you stole it, you've been caught with it, you owe him a 400% markup, do you have it? You wanna know what happened if they didn't have it, Caleb? Yeah, they became the slave of the of the person they had stolen from. They became the slave of the person they stole it from. And they worked for you until 49 years went by and it was the time of Jubilee. Okay. Or, and that's not true. I think the max they could do is, I think seven years was the max. Or they worked for you until all the debt was paid. Or until you knocked out a tooth or gouged yeah. out one of and, their eyes. If that ha- if that happened while you were beating them at some point yeah. because they weren't working, then then they could go free. Now, <clears throat> the interesting thing about this is that the, the the we already read the purpose of the criminal justice system. We read about that in Romans thirteen. We read about the penalties for different types of theft, and we're going to read through a few more. Let me, as a matter of fact, let me just give you another one while I'm here. Uh, Proverbs chapter six, verses 30 to 31. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry, but if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. So the Bible has no problem handing out a stiff penalty for a stiff crime. In this case, the thief pays you a 600% markup. The point of this and, and to give scripture to the answer Caleb gave before. If the thief can't pay, Exodus chapter 22, verse 3, for he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. He becomes a slave to you or to someone else. You actually have the option of selling the indentured servitude 
okay, the slave, the, the, the thief that stole from you, you have the option of selling him to somebody to get your restitution because you don't feel like dealing with them. And then the other person gets to uh, work them until they get paid back. The point of the whole thing is that the penalties were severe for a reason. The penalties were severe because they would deter crime. Now, Caleb, what does our criminal justice system have that the Bible does not have? Probation. Probation is true. That's correct. It's a big one. When I say it, you're going to be like, how did I not know that? How did I not think of that? Oh, prison, jail. Prisons. Our criminal justice system has jails and prisons. The Bible does not have custodial sentences. The Bible does not have jails. The Bible does not have prisons. Nowhere in the law of Moses anywhere in the bible do you see god tell his people to have a jail or a prison nowhere in the bible what we find are there are four forms of punishment the first one is restitution and that's what we talked about payment was made for the wrong that was done the payment and this is interesting caleb the payment was made directly to the victim and it was made immediately The second form of punishment was indentured servitude, and we mentioned that. If the payment couldn't be made, the convicted criminal would enter into indentured servitude of the victim. So in that case, the person that you stole from was now your master for possibly several years. And I would imagine that a lot of people didn't try to make their life really pleasant for that time. They kind of gave them, you know, the room with the leaky roof, you know, that was kind of drafty. You know, they didn't have to serve them hot food. The the point of it wasn't to make them enjoy. I'm sure they had a TV and an Xbox and air conditioning and all the pornography they can do. Yeah, all the things. A good football field, exercise <laughs> yeah. track. Internet access and, and weight weightlifting time, you know. and uh, have vi- session, visiting <laughs> sessions, email, phone time. With chocolate their, chip with cookies. And <laughs> right. Yeah. It didn't have any of that, okay? It was supposed to be unpleasant. The purpose was that you never wanted to do it again. And the other thing that you found was everyone in town knew who you were, knew what you did, and were watching you serve your sentence do you think that when you were the indentured servant uh, servant of the guy that you stole from what do you think you were doing when he was having a party you were cleaning out the toilets you were washing the feet of all the visitors i mean you were it, it was a miserable life and it was supposed to be while they sat around while they sat around and talked about what you had done yeah. put you in that position in front of you. <laughs> hey kids, come here. Come here. Look at Caleb's slave. Tell him what you did. Tell him tell him what you did. You caught you, you stole a sheep and then you were so poor you couldn't pay for it and now you're here. Okay kids, what's the lesson? That's right. Don't steal sheep. Okay, you want to know what the third punishment was that is never talked about 
and is also not in our criminal justice system anymore. Uh, now the fourth one's the big one corporal 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 punishment punishment. very good okay so let's take a look at deuteronomy chapter 25 verses 1 2 and 3 if there be a controversy between men and they come unto judgment that the judges may judge them then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked and it shall be if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face according to his fault by a certain number 40 stripes he may be uh, he may give him and not exceed lest if he should exceed and beat him above these with many stripes then thy brother should seem vile unto thee so here the bible teaches us that an acceptable form of punishment is corporal punishment Now, lots of times when we think of corporal punishment, we're thinking of a kid getting spanked. But in this case, we're talking about a guy being, you know, tied up to a tree or a post or what have you, you know, in this case, in this case, he lays down and he's beaten. We read about in the Proverbs, what, uh, what's good for the back of a fool, the rod, the, the fool is beaten with the rod. Corporal punishment was a thing. What do you think about that? Uh, it doesn't sound very Christ-like. <laughs> very, it's not. A, it, we're, we're supposed to be nice, okay? We, that's not nice. <laughs> got to be. Got to be nice to the bad guys. All right. So here's <clears throat> here's the idea. Now, Caleb, I have a friend of mine who's a judge down in. I think it's Delta. It might be Montrose. I forget. He got the. He used to be a district attorney up here in Grand Junction. And I don't want to mention his name uh, because he's a respected member of the community. And the last thing he needs is his name mentioned on the Bible Thumper podcast. But I am trying to get him on the show. And I wanted to talk about this idea. One of the things that I brought up with him was the idea of the eye for the eye and the tooth for the tooth. And I said, hey, why has the Bible... Uh, gotten away, or I'm sorry, why has the American criminal justice system gotten so far away from what the Bible said as far as uh, punishments? Do you know what he said about that verse? Because keep in mind, I mean, this guy has obviously studied the law a lot more than I have. You know, he's gone Mm -hmm. to college. He's gone to law school. He passed the bar. He worked as a lawyer for I don't know how many years, his whole life. And now he's a judge. I mean, this is his life, but he's also a Christian. I've gone to church with this fella and he, you know, he homeschools his kids and we've been friends and I know his family and, you know, so this guy, he loves Jesus. Sounds like somebody should track him down and cancel him. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think we, I didn't think we still had decent people like that as judges. Okay. So they could could replace him with some purple (laughs) Purple hair, dark lesbian. <laughs> okay, uh, very good. <laughs> Someone should track him down and cancel him. <laughs> I mean, he's, he homeschools his kids. <laughs> he's clearly a danger to society. All right, Caleb. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Do you know the origin of that verse? I mean, I know you've read it in the Bible, but do you understand Mm -hmm. why it's in there? 
it's different than you would think. Okay, who yeah, I when, mean, to me it seems like sort of like tit for tat, fair, like it is. And it and that's what God was saying was it's a fair penalty. Right. But why okay, let me ask you this. When Moses wrote that, who were the world powers? What nations uh, ruled Egypt, the world? The Egyptians. Egyptians were one. You want to guess at another one? There's only one other that I would that I can confidently say was you know, jockeying for position of ruler of the world. It was before uh, Babylon. Okay. Yeah, so Philist- the Philistines. The Assyrians. The Assyrians, okay. Okay, first of all, what was the capital of Assyria? I can't think of it right now. Jonah, Being Damascus, but that's Jonah that's went there. Not right. No, that Damascus is the capital oh, of Nineveh, Syria. Right. Assyria. Yeah, modern day Syria. Assyria. Right. Uh, Nineveh. Right the most wicked and vile place that we've ever heard of. Egypt was the same way. It was severe in their punishments. The verse we read about in Exodus where God talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that verse was considered to be a verse condoning mercy. Right. Because no judgments were that lenient. And what God was saying is that is the maximum penalty we can allow is an equal one. We cannot penalize far beyond that. Okay. You know, and, and the point is there were times when someone would upset the king and the king would kill him and then the king would kill, you know, the person's whole family. And it's like, no, no, no. You know, we, we, we can exact just penalties. Okay. Life for life, limb for limb. Okay, so that was supposed to be an act of mercy. Now, the United States criminal justice system is so far away from that, that the first several times you get arrested for different crimes, you probably just get probation. And that's it. They wag their finger at the end. They say, don't you do that again. And they let you go and you're free. And you can go back to your job and you can go back to your life and everything's fine. Okay. In the Bible, they say, no, justice has to be done and justice will be done the very first time. And hopefully it will dissuade you from ever wanting to do this again. And the interesting thing about the four types of penalties and the fourth one being uh, capital punishment, and that is the individual must die. Something to notice about all four of these punishments, they were carried out immediately and the penalty was given and the matter was concluded. And that was it. And it, it was over. It, it has a pretty, statistically, there's a pretty good track record specifically with capital punishment as far as repeat offenders. Yeah, there's almost it's, none. It's, had, it's, almost it's like 100%. 100%. <laughs> With the exception of like Jesus and Lazarus and a few like that, for the most part, there's yeah. not repeat offenders. <laughs> okay, we got a couple questions. Okay, so um, Nick explained to us that oxen can make you money, whereas sheep are food. That's why God doesn't uh, require as big of a payment. So, Nick, we appreciate that. Uh, my wife uh, chimed in with a question. Would you say the Bible would be in favor of spankings in school? I remember classmates in my kindergarten class going to the principal's office for spankings. Okay, so first thing I want to say, uh, sweetie, is 
I think that question has a false premise. So uh, the first thing I would like to say is that uh, there should be um, no uh, government schools. Okay, so uh, if we do that, we're we talking skip, about we skip over talking a lot. about spanking the principal. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> now, as far as private schools, uh, which are fine, someone wants to start a school and have a private school, that's fine. Uh, do I think that uh, the Bible would be in favor of spankings in school? A hundred percent. Now, I know of two different ways that this happens as far as corporal punishment in schools. <laughs> I know one Christian school that a friend of mine went to and what they did was they would have you come in as a parent and spank your child in front of the principal. So they had to watch you do it and make sure you did it significantly. And the reason they did that was because it was way more serious for the parent to have to stop what they're doing, tell their boss, hey, I got to go to school and deal with my reprobate of a kid. Then you drive across town and you have to, you know, spank the kid. Other Christian schools that I know of, uh, you had to sign something saying we're allowed to spank your kids. And, you know, we are indemnified. <laughs> okay, we're immune from civil prosecution or, uh, you know, criminal prosecution because we have agreed that this is what needs to be done and we're going to do it how we see fit. And that's the end of it. So I've seen both ways uh, work. And uh, what's funny is uh, one of my friends who went to uh, a Christian school where they allowed uh spanking and the vice principal was the one that was in charge of punishment so the vice principal would be the one to spank people my buddy his best friend his dad was the principal so my buddy and his best friend get in trouble for i don't remember what and the the vice principal's like guys you know the deal uh this carries the punishment of getting 10 licks and he had like a big old like cricket paddle or something that he used you know and they would drop their pants and he would you know um smack their butt you know 10 times and you know they were it it hurt and um on the way into the vice principal's office when uh they were going to get whooped the principal saw his son and he turned to the vp and he's like hey uh when you're done go ahead and send him into my office too <laughs> so, so he got spanked twice once by his dad the principal and then once by the vp and I'll tell you what, all of my friends that have gone through that told me the same thing. They're like, there were certain lines you just did not want to cross because they would spend, you know, the, these guys were teenage guys that were big guys. And they're like, they would whoop you hard enough where you could not sit down. Like you would go back to class and the teacher would be like, you can stand in the back if you want. And they're like, yep. You know, as you're like wiping the tears away from your eyes. And the whole process was horribly humiliating which again was part of the penalty that was that, that was the purpose it was supposed to be humiliating as a reminder i don't want to be here caleb anything you want to add there oh no it, obviously um so my my children are in a private school and um we don't we don't have like we've released the, ch the teachers from the liability that would be <laughs> 
that would be there for something like that because obviously kids are going to grow up and say who knows what about their yeah. their teachers yeah. um so in our case you know if if something's bad enough that the parents need to get called in then they turn that over to the parents but no i think that i think that we've moved so far away from being able to uh, even consider justice in small things or small offenses that then it's it's that much more shocking when you consider you know offenses for larger things to think of something as you know if, if you can't even spank a kid yeah when they misbehave then how in the world could you ever even consider capital punishment mm-hmm. you know that's just it's horrible i mean you can't you can't hardly even mention corporal punishment yeah and then and then a lot of people consider capital punishment just to be cruel and, and and specifically a lot of christians that i know that we consider to be unchristlike yeah and i just want to remind parents out there this is always my favorite thing to tell everyone the bible says that if you don't spank your kids you hate them so i would encourage you getting on board you know go ahead come on in the water's fine get yourself a paddle if you need one i'll make you one mail it out to you Okay, I'll, en- I'll engrave. You're just, the you're just trying to get logo. canceled, aren't you? <laughs> Whatever. I gotta have all listeners. of all of your all of your sponsors. <laughs> yeah. All of all your sponsors, sponsors are gonna, are gonna drop support. me. I need followers before I can get canceled. So, <clears throat> Wind Supply is gonna call and tell you they want their shirt back. <laughs> so, look, uh, what does God say in Hebrews? God says that He corrects and scourges those that he loves and he says in the proverbs that a parent hates a child if they withhold the rod from them and there's a reason you don't want your kid growing up without respect for authority that's why we do it so with that caleb we are at 40 minutes you want to get into capital punishment yeah i think so okay um what does the Bible say I, about the death penalty? Go. All right. So it's interesting that, that you kind of preface this with some of the different penalties that there were for different crimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that we first find the, the, the basis for understanding why the capital punishment would be biblically justified and would be not only justified but necessary is that from the beginning in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, it says that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That's in Genesis 2, uh, verse 7. Genesis 1, 27 says, God created man in its own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So when we understand that we are image bearers of God, that God created us in his image, that under that understanding is the only way that we can understand why God requires we're, we're not animals. God is not. Yes, God cares about the beasts of the field. He cares about the animals. Uh, in Matthew ten twenty nine through thirty one, it says, uh, "Are not two sparrows sold for a far, farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? But it, the very hairs of your head are all numbered." Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. So we see that God places more life, more value on uh, human life because God has given a, a soul. We're created in the image of God. So a human life is very much different than the life of an animal. So if in the case where you steal an oxen or a, a sheep and there's 
restitution required for that. In the, in the case of murder specifically, if someone no longer values another human life and they pre premeditate to go and kill someone else, then they themselves uh, obviously don't value human life. And the only just thing to have happen in that case would be for it to be an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. So the capital punishment is, I believe, even though it, it seems controversial now, um, we specifically for human or for, for Christians, when we think about protecting human life, if, if you're pro-life and you're anti-abortion, um, to be against the death penalty is actually pro-murder, in my opinion. So you're uh, the, the death penalty to me is pro-life. It's protecting human life. It's protecting the sanctity of life. And uh, someone who has violated the sanctity of life and has taken another life through premeditated murder uh, is guilty of, of murder and should be put to death uh, from a biblical standpoint. And the fact that this has become a controversial issue is, is very troubling. Uh, the murder rates are relatively high now uh, in the past and even in some other countries right now. Uh, I know that things are dealt with more swiftly and there's a lot more deterrent for for murder. Uh, obviously, the capital punishment can be handed out for other offenses other than just murder. But specifically, I figured that's the, the place that it should that we should start with capital punishment is be for murder because it's clearly biblically justified. So if you look in uh, Genesis nine verse six, um, and this here is right after Noah and his sons get, get off the ark uh, reading from, from verse one and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air upon all that moveth upon the earth earth and upon all the fishes of the sea into your hand are they delivered every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you even as the green herb have i given you all things but flesh with the life thereof which is the blood thereof shall ye not eat and surely your blood of your lives will i require at the hand of every beast will i require and at the hand of man and at the hand of every man's brother will i require the life of man whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of God hath he made man. Um, so to, here is, this is before uh, any of the law of Moses was written. God was sick and tired of murder and uh, the evil that had spread throughout the earth. He had destroyed mankind for it and preserved Noah and his family. And immediately after they got off the ark, he tells them that whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of God made he man. So not only were we created in God's image, but God gave us the responsibility of carrying out justice in the case where somebody sheds blood. It's not, it is, God has given that authority to mankind. It's our, it's not our right. It's our responsibility. We shall uh, serve justice in that case. And so when that, when that law there is violated, which like Patrick mentioned in our criminal justice system right now, um, if you're a homeless person living in a homeless shelter, there's incentive for you to commit a crime and go to prison because you'll have an easier life in prison. Um, so if you murder somebody, you pretty much get the rest of your life, uh, warm, warm place to sleep meals, uh, you're taken good care of way better than you would be on the street. I had uh, two different cousins uh, that at different times told me 
that after they got out of jail, that they tried to find minor offenses or after they got out of prison, they tried to find minor offenses to get back into prison because it was easier for them then than once they got out. And so they intentionally committed crimes to go back to prison because they actually liked it in prison. Life was better there than having to get a job and and provide for yourself out. So our, our criminal justice system now is actually incentivizing murderers. Uh, there are people that, that intentionally commit crimes so that they can go to prison. And that's exactly backward of what God designed it to be. So to me, to be anti the de- anti-death penalty is actually pro-murder. So you can't say that you're doing it because of mercy. Um, and there's a couple of arguments that I hear made against the death penalty that I think are valid arguments. Let's get uh, to those but, at the end. Let's not bring those up yeah. yet because I have some I want to add to as well. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, no, no! I, I didn't. I, I just didn't want you to get into arguments against right. the death penalty. Yeah. So yeah. I would just say thought. there, there are a couple of arguments against the death penalty because it may not be carried out perfectly or whatever. But the idea that the death penalty that somebody is opposed to the death penalty because they don't believe that it's fair or just or right, uh, specifically Christians that would not believe that it's fair or just or right to carry out the death penalty. Now, I would make the argument that their moral compass is. Uh, on the on maybe the one of the most important issues is askew to the point that I would question their ability to have any sound moral judgment on any, any other issue because on one of the most black and white basic issues uh, they they oppose uh, decent justice which is incentivizing murder so you're actually uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that silence in the in the face of evil is itself evil and so that's to me what opposing the death penalty actually is you're on board with enabling and incentivizing murderers in that case now let me let me jump in and give another idea here on top of that now i i 100 believe in the death penalty uh, i believe there are certain crimes that require capital punishment and there is a reason for it and the bible explains that very clearly but before we go any further i want to ask you this what does the Bible use as the mode of execution? Stoning. It uses stoning. Now, Caleb, I have never witnessed a stoning, but I have some friends who have been around stonings because they do missions work in other countries. Do you know how long it takes to kill someone by throwing rocks at them? I would guess probably... More than a second? Longer than the firing squad? I I was going to say probably closer to an hour. And here's the point. The mode that God uses, which, by the way, is gruesome and horrifying. The mode used is for a purpose why would we use such a method and the answer is found in the bible in deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 11 and all israel shall hear and fear and shall do no more any such wickedness as this is among you the whole purpose of capital crime, <clears throat> and or I should say, sorry, the whole purpose of capital punishment is that the execution is public and horrifying. 
capital punishment does nothing if it is not public and horrifying. Those two elements are necessary. Caleb, did you know that back in the days of cowboys and engines, when a fellow would get caught doing something horrible and they would bring that fella in for justice and he'd stand before the judge and the whole rigmarole ended, how would they kill that fella back in those days? Be taken out front in front of the courthouse and hung in a tree. They would hang him. <laughs> the whole town would gather and have a And picnic. the whole town would gather. Do you know that they would build the gallows in the center of town? Do you know that when there was a hanging, they would let school out? Go ahead and look that up. The children were let out of school and would stand there with their parents and they would watch this horrifying thing happen where this guy would get walked up onto this wooden platform and they'd throw a rope around his neck and drop the board and the floor would kick out and boom, his neck is broken if he was lucky. If not, he'd sit there choking for like two minutes. And the children would watch this and they'd turn to their mom and they'd say, Mama, why are, why are we doing that to this guy? And they're like, well, he stole the horse. What right. went through that kid's head? What went through that eight-year-old's head, Caleb? It, it was different than now when they when they listen to music that glorifies, you know, thieves <laughs> and thugs and yeah. gangsters. Yeah, they didn't they didn't they didn't aspire to grow up to be a horse thief. No. Their one thought was, man, I ain't stealing a horse. Right. <laughs> It had the proper effect. And nowadays, <clears throat> even if we made capital punishment a serious thing again, because it's not really a serious thing, people sit on death row and they sit there for dozens of years with appeal after appeal, and they never actually end up going to the electric chair or for lethal injection or for the firing squad or for all the different ways that you know we used to carry this out or for hanging. There, there was a time when we still hung people. None of this stuff happens. And Uh, If it does happen, it happens in a small room with just a few witnesses. And that was never the point. And people got away from God's way of doing things because it was uncomfortable, even though the way God set it up would produce the required effect. And I'm going to read that verse again, lest you missed it. And all Israel shall hear and fear and shall do no more any such wickedness as this is among you. The whole point was that everyone saw it, whoever didn't see it, heard about it, and everybody was scared to do the same kind of wickedness. You put the wickedness away from you and possibly for a generation, no one else does it again. That was the goal. Your comments. Yeah. So we, uh, this last week we ended up going, we, our kids had spring break with their school and we went on a camping trip with a couple other families. And on the way back, we stopped at a old County jail that's in the County just to the South of us. And they have, it was built in the the 1860s, I believe, a brick building that has steel uh, jail cells in it. And we got to go inside and take a tour of it. And we went to the fifth floor where they have the ring 
um, hung for the, uh, the hanging ring and the trap door there where they would, uh, where the, the prisoner would step off to be hung. And they told us that no one was actually ever hung off of that hanging ring. Brilliant. Because, because they were all taken out front and hung outdoors so that people could gather Get and have a picnic. Get out of here. And, yeah. Wow. Good so no one them. was ever, the hanging ring was never used. Um, and they also said that the, that the longest uh, time that anybody ever spent in that jail was five days. Um, it, either they were sent off to the prison in Huntsville or they were executed or, you know, let go. Uh, but during the time that they were there, they were out in the cotton fields every day working and the sheriff, uh, would tell them, don't try to run from the man on the horse with the gun because he's going to outrun you every time. <laughs> so they take him out all day long to the middle of a cotton field. They'd go mm-hmm. to work at night. They'd come back. They had no air conditioning. Oh, yeah. Um, and they would uh, they ha- they had a, f- a few days spent there. And everyone that 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 jail was in use till the 1970s and they built a new one and it's no longer in use now. But there are the people that run the museum there at the jail. They um, have met and interviewed people that had spent time there. And every one of them said that after spending a day or two there, you never wanted to go back. It was hard work. It wasn't fun. And, um, you were hot and sweaty and you came home and the only way you had a change of clothes was if you had a loved one or somebody that would bring you clothes. So the criminal justice system at one point was built to actually punish people in this Mm -hmm. country. Now you get a slap on the hand and it, it just doesn't work. Okay, so let me uh, let me bring up another point as far as God's uh, method for capital punishment, and that is the idea of the two witnesses. Um, I am not going to pretend that justice is carried out perfectly um, in the Bible times, but keep in mind, justice is not carried out perfectly now. O.J. Simpson did not go to jail. Okay, people get off for murder. So. Right that argument which is oh well you know uh, some guilty people might be executed and some innocent you know or some innocent people might be executed and some guilty people might go free well that's what it is now that still happens today the difference is we are obeying god and the effect that god wanted is going to take place but in god's system capital punishment didn't happen easily The Bible talks about two witnesses. So in the case of someone being executed, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 17, 6, at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. So you have to understand that there were plenty of people that still got away with murder, just like today. God said that we can't just believe one person because one person might exploit the criminal justice system and try to use it against someone else, kind of like the way the government does against innocent civilians constantly, where they just get to make up rules and then say, you're breaking them and throw you in prison. Right. So what had to happen was there had to be two or three witnesses that said, this person is guilty of murder. I saw it happen. You know, we have to put this evil away from us. So the criminal justice system for capital crimes in God's court heavily favored the accused. 
the accused right. had a much better time or much easier time getting off in that case they weren't just yeah. stoning people willy-nilly okay without a whole bunch of witnesses you know it wasn't just one guy made an accusation and that was enough many people that deserve to die did not and god's idea was we are not going to have a bunch of innocent people be stoned to death in front of the city that's not the way we're going to do it the way we're going to do it is we're going to lean heavily on the other side of the spectrum some people that deserve to die will get off but there's more good news to follow <laughs> okay there are other things that and other ways that we we work around that situation but i just wanted people to understand that it wasn't it wasn't easy okay because god god's purpose was to find justice now can i give you the second part of that idea and caleb i'm going to ask you the question let's say yeah. you could get two people to lie and say you know what this fellow over here is guilty and he needs to be executed okay and the and the judge says okay we have our two witnesses i have no reason not to believe them we are going to execute this person. Then what happened? How did the execution um, begin? Public stoning, right? It was public so stoning, there but there was another detail. Okay, in Deuteronomy 17.7, it says, the hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death and afterwards the hands of all the people so shalt thou put evil away from among you so the idea is it was not only difficult to get two people to lie about someone to try to use the system against them but then you needed those two people who were willing to lie to stand there in public and start stoning this innocent person before right. everyone else would join in. Well, and obviously the, the issue of false witnesses was, that's something that dishonest people did and do. Yep. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, uh, so obviously in, in the case that, that that happens, that's another crime. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. If you were a false witness, what was the penalty for being a false witness? I don't know it off the top of my head. Okay. You were capital punishment. No, no, but it was close. Okay. <clears throat> so let's see. Here it is. In Deuteronomy 19, starting in verse 8. And the judges shall make diligent inquisition. And behold, if the witness be a false witness and hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother. So the whole idea was whatever penalty you were trying to get placed upon the innocent person, that penalty was now going to be given to you. So in the case of being a false witness for a capital crime, if you were found out to be lying, you were going to be executed. Right. So you see, it deters, again, people from even considering lying in court. 
So in in numbers, it does give an uh, an option for cities of refuge for those that were accused of something, but there wasn't enough enough witnesses to uh, put them to death or to convict them, and they wanted a place to go to 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 run away um, and and not be in danger of revenge. Uh, the the interesting thing here. All right, so in uh, Numbers 35 and let's go to verse 17. Um, if he smite him with a, with a throwing stone, wherewith he may die and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely put, be put to death. Or if he smite him with a hand and a weapon of wood, wherewith he die and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall certainly be put to death. The revenger of blood himself shall slay the murderer. When he meeteth him, he shall slay him. But if he, th- if he thrust him of hatred or hurl at him uh, by laying of weight that he die, or an entity smite him with his hand that he die, that he smote him, he that smote him shall surely be put to death, for he is a murderer. The revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him. Um, where was I trying to go with this? Um, okay, so <laughs> verse 30, whoso, whoso killeth any person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses, but not one witness shall testify against the person to cause him to die. Moreover, you shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death. And you shall take no satisfaction for him that is fled to the city of refuge, but that if he should come again to dwell in the land until the death of the priest. So not only was it, was it saying that the death penalty is permitted, but you shall not allow them to escape the death penalty. Uh, Whoso killeth any person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses, but not one witness shall testify against any per- person to cause him to die. Moreover, you shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death. So even, even in the case of, um, in the case now of, of, the criminal justice system, you turn somebody in, like, like Patrick said, you, you report it to the police. It's not a very good chance that they are going to get caught. But even in the case, you had a really good police department. The law enforcement actually enforces the law. They bring them oh, wait, to sorry. the justice system. Were you serious about that? Was that not a joke? Well, <laughs> sorry. So man. there are, I, I there are totally situations where the situation um, continue. I'm sorry. I know you lost your train of thought, but you can't lay one on me like that and not expect me to fall out of my chair laughing. Continue. You were saying something about the government being competent. I don't know what it was. Go ahead. Jump on in. In the case where there are actually competent uh, law enforcement officers that actually do go to the effort to get somebody uh, brought in and charge them with a crime, and then you have these uh, softball prosecutors or whatever that decide that they're not going to actually uphold the law, uh, or or they get let out on on parole. You you hear about about these murderers that have had repeat offenses over and over again. They get let out of jail on uh, parole or, or probation or whatever, uh, or the, on good behavior or some sort of nonsense like that, and then they go out and they they murder some more people. Uh, so in, in in that in that sense, according to a biblical standard, if if the person was guilty of murder, there was multiple witnesses. Not only were you allowed to put them to death, you shall surely put them to death, and no one shall you know ever be allowed to live. And so in in the case that you that we see now, where people are repeat offenders, the the, the law isn't working. It's disobedience to what God had set up. If if we actually would have put the put the murderer to death and not let him back out on the streets, uh, the, the responsibility ends up 
falling then partially on the failed justice system as an accomplice because they, you know, we didn't do our, our job. And I've heard of, of sheriffs and, and police officers that have worked very hard to go after somebody that they knew was a murderer, or knew was, uh, you know, a, a bad guy. And they're so frustrated because after they actually catch the guy, they're just let back out on the street by the oh, yeah. criminal justice system. Yeah. And, and they're, they're not even, you know, held, um, uh, they don't even have, uh, bail. They're just released and they'll murder someone else before they go to trial for their first murder. I mean, it's right. It, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. It, it is, uh, absolutely horrible. Um, okay. So let's see. Um, I kind of wanted to go over another idea here. I wanted to bring up Matthew chapter five. And I want your take on this because I have an idea. Uh, How does this fit in with capital punishment? Uh, This is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you and pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. Now, I know that you and I believe that verse as much as we believe any verse that supports the death penalty. So I want to throw that on you and hear your take on it. Um, I have a take on it as well. Um, So you want to jump in or do you want me to just give you my thoughts on that? I I know I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, no, I'll I'll jump in on that. So I believe that there's a lot in the New Testament that is – Okay, so I'll say this first. I don't know that God ever intended for governments to be the way that they are, but Mm -hmm. it is now the way that it is. So initially when when Israel asked for a king, God said, because you've rejected me, now I'm allowing you to have a king like the nations around you. So at that point, God, there was a switch that was made. It was no longer theocracy where God was in charge. There was judges. There was... um, there was people that were carrying out at God's commands. At that point, he gave charge to the government. He's like, all right, you want it, you got it. And so now the government is in charge of criminal justice. So I do believe that there is a difference uh, between seeking revenge, trying to repay evil for evil individually, as opposed to loving your, loving your enemy, praying for those that persecute you uh, and, and, and being able to still support the government carrying out the death penalty. And again, this is still different than to me, revenge is different than catching somebody in the act of killing and you, and you use lethal force in self-defense. I believe that is still biblically justified to use lethal force force. You know, if you catch somebody in the act, but going after somebody to get back at them to seek revenge, I do believe that for whatever reason, at this point, God is saying, this is the, the, the responsibility of the government and and it's ordained by God that the government that that's their job, and the that us as Christians um, going going back and seeking revenge personally uh, is different than us supporting the death penalty. I believe we can. I believe that we can love our enemy. We can pray for them that persecute us. We can um, be. A, we can have those Christian values and still support the government carrying out justice. Okay, so the. The, the first thing I wanted to point out with this idea in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45, is that Jesus is addressing the individual. 
mm-hmm. he is not addressing the state. Correct. People mix this up all the time. People I hear constantly talking about, oh, yeah, you know, <clears throat> you should uh, be a Democrat because, you know, they're in favor of helping the poor and they want to, you know, give the poor everything they need and they're taking care of the poor and they're just like Jesus. It's like, well, God commanded you to take care of the poor, not the government. Right. Okay, so you are supposed to be benevolent with your own money. You are supposed to support the poor. You, the Bible never talks about the government taking your money and then giving it to anyone. The command is given to the individual, not to the state. And that is the same situation here. The individual is always commanded to dispense love and mercy. And I agree with that. Personally, Caleb, I think that anyone that is convicted of a capital crime, I think they should be given an amount of time uh, where they are held in custody, uh, whether it be a couple days or maybe a week. Uh, They are given time to think about what they have done. Uh, then I think uh, they sh- the people who are the family uh, of the victim, I think they should have an opportunity to go and talk to the convicted and uh, tell them that they love them and that they have forgiven them uh, and that they hope that they will receive Jesus as their Savior before they die. And I think that the convicted should be given the opportunity to not only repent of the wrongdoing that they've been convicted of, but also to call upon the Lord Jesus um, to be their savior so that when they are executed in a few days, uh, they can go straight to heaven to be with God forever. Uh, That's the way that I think it should work. I think that would... um, I think that would be appropriate. I think we would fulfill the biblical commands. But Jesus, when he when he talked to the man on the cross and granted him eternal life, he didn't uh, request a pardon for him. Nope, didn't ask for <laughs> the capital him to punishment. Get was still he was still carried it. out, but he said, "You'll be with me in paradise." Okay, so that is the reason that the state carries out executions. The state is supposed to be dispassionate. They hold a fair trial. They should be objective. And the state doesn't care if you're innocent or guilty. They don't have a dog in the fight. They don't care. Their goal is simply that justice is carried out. That's the job of the state. And an appeal from a convicted murderer should find no judicial sympathy with the state. When the state begins to show mercy towards certain individuals and not others, it becomes unequal and proportionately unjust in the dispatch of its God-ordained responsibility. That is why the command given to the state and the command given to the individual are very different. And I see no problem with us as Christians loving our enemies and demanding that the state administer justice with a capital crime and capital punishment. I don't see that that is a problem. I see no contradiction whatsoever. People get mixed up because they think that Jesus was talking to the government. He wasn't talking to the Roman government. He didn't appeal to make a case to Caesar. He never tried to change what the government did. 
The government that was in charge during the days of Jesus was one of the most wicked and horrible governments in the history of the world. Jesus was talking about individuals. We are the ones that are supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to forgive our enemies. And I don't see that that's a problem just because we support capital punishment. Your thoughts? A couple of arguments that I've heard before against against capital punishment. One is that it was an Old Testament that that's an Old Testament thing and that it's not supported in the New Testament because Jesus says, you know, an eye for an eye makes the whole, whole world blind. That's um, not, he didn't say that. Gandhi said that. Jesus oh yeah, did not Gandhi say said that. that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. At Jesus, at Jesus, at and, the, and let me tell the you, woman at Gandhi the does not well. presently believe that. Okay. Right. Gandhi presently believes the Bible. So anyway, so that I've heard people quote say, well, Jesus says, you know, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And, mm-hmm. and Jesus said that with a woman that was uh, at the wishing adultery. well, it, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm misquoting this on purpose, you know, but Jesus said that <laughs> at the, the, the woman well. at the wishing well, that, that, uh, you know, that he, he obviously did away with stoning there with the death penalty. And I think what Jesus was after in that case with the woman that was caught in adultery was he was, he was speaking against the hypocrisy of the of the Pharisees at that point, he wasn't saying that the death penalty should no longer be carried out. Um, the The idea that um, the idea that that it's an Old Testament thing and that that it's no longer uh, supported in the New Testament, I believe, is is just a a, a blatant misrepresentation of Scripture. Then the second argument that I see made against it Wait, is: Can I jump in uh, on that one, or is yeah, this yeah, one go related? Ahead. Okay, because uh, you and I have heard the same argument okay jesus never took part in the death penalty therefore the death penalty is wrong okay so number one the romans the roman government took away the right of the jews to execute their own criminals convicted of a capital crime when jesus was roughly seven or eight years old that was a prophecy given back in genesis chapter 49 by jacob prior to him dying and i can bring us to that in a second if you'd like okay that is the reason that the jews had to bring jesus to pontius pilate the romans took away now at first the jews were allowed to govern themselves but that all changed under roman law when julius caesar took over now They had to appeal to the Roman governor. So every time you read about the Pharisees picking up rocks and having a desire to stone Jesus, they were about to break Roman law. That's how mad they were. But Jesus... They were just trying to set a trap for him. Yeah. Okay, They don't get me wrong. They hated Jesus and they wanted him dead. But you have to understand, Jesus is the one that instituted the death penalty. Unless you are polytheistic, in which case you believe that God the Father instituted the death penalty and you believe that Jesus is a separate deity because you believe in multiple gods. But that's how stupid of an argument it is. Right. Do you think that Jesus didn't know about the death penalty and all of a sudden he was born, he was raised up, and he's like, whoa, what does the law of Moses say? I can't believe that. No. Jesus was the author of the Bible. We believe in one God. We don't believe in three separate ones. They are all one God. God the Father and Jesus are not different. It's not like they disagree on items. 
Jesus believed in every single thing in the Bible. Jesus, Caleb, can you explain to me something? How on earth can Christians not believe in the death penalty and believe in hell? Right. How do they believe in the doctrine of everlasting fire and torment if they don't believe in something as innocuous as the death penalty, which is over in a minute, and you still have eternity to live in heaven if you're saved? It blows me away. I mean, seriously, how can we not believe in the death penalty? It is so clear in scripture. Unless you are one of the stupidest Christians in the world that uses the argument that, well, I didn't see it in the New Testament, so therefore your, your idea is invalid. Morons. Sorry, Caleb. Okay, well, and so, yeah, to that point, if it, if the argument is made that this was an Old Testament command, mm-hmm. uh, this was commanded before the law of Moses was ever put into effect. Yes, mm-hmm. it was brought it was brought in, but I mentioned that in Genesis nine, when when Noah first got off the ark, mm-hmm. God first set this into place before there was any law of Moses. So it's it's a ordinance instituted by God that I believe. Um, is reiterated in the in the new testament as well in romans there we see that the government has the right to do that and And by the way by the way the new testament when did the new testament start caleb when did it start well it depends on if you it depends on if you say that that it starts well i don't actually believe that there is a new testament and an old testament but a new covenant a new covenant an old covenant when did the new covenant start um i i would say when jesus was uh, crucified that's what the bible says Look it up in Hebrews, okay, that when Jesus died, that was the beginning of the new covenant. Every single thing that Jesus said and did was during the Old Old Testament. Yeah. And this is the worst part. People don't understand that the reason that the, the Pharisees were pushing Jesus to want to say that the woman had to be executed was to get him in trouble with Roman law. They wanted him at odds with the Roman government. They knew that they had no right to execute that woman. Now, they still did that from time to time. Okay, I'm not saying that the Jews didn't execute people because, you know, they did what they wanted, but they weren't allowed to do that. They stoned Stephen. (laughs) You got it. Illegally. Yeah, Yeah, so... So that argument uh, that set to the the argument that this is an Old Testament thing and we're now you know Jesus did away with that is I believe is completely a misrepresentation of Scripture. It's it's a false premise. And if you read if you read the Bible at all, you'll see that that's not the case. Uh, and then the other argument being made against it that that I would say is the most. Uh, common sense argument that's being made against it is what we mentioned there that it's not always carried out properly what if the, what if they got the wrong person mm-hmm. um and that oh, still like to me today? is completely irrelevant you mean like I what happens be- constantly today <laughs> right so it's almost okay so i would say it's almost impossible nowadays with forensic evidence and dna testing and everything it's very unlikely that somebody is actually going to receive the death penalty that shouldn't now there has been times in our history where if you couldn't afford a good attorney uh, maybe there were some some parts of you know some certain demographics that were maybe disproportionately more likely to be um, uh, receive the death penalty because they they didn't, were in a different social class. I can understand somebody being opposed to it not being carried out 
fairly or justly. In that situation, I can see somebody being opposed to somebody receiving it uh, if, you know, if they get it wrong. Okay, so you can still be for the death penalty and be opposed to it being carried out improperly. So I, I think that it should be carried out just like it was commanded here, that it mu- that it was very, the Bible was very careful that they weren't just going to go willy-nilly and start stoning people because of rumors and whatnot. There had to be multiple witnesses. You had to, you know, interview uh, the, the witnesses and make sure that they weren't lying, uh, corroborate their stories, whatnot. So it was, it, they were, they were careful with it uh, and it was saved for, saved for uh, people that was that it was premeditated murder if it was possibly an accidental death um, in in numbers there it gives you know possible manslaughter cases and whatnot where people were were let off and let go to a city of refuge so premeditated murder um, and and multiple witnesses I, I think that you can be for the death penalty and you you should be and shall be for the death penalty, even if you have concerns about if it's carried out perfectly. You can have those concerns. You can say, I want to make sure that it's fair and just. Well, absolutely. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't say, do. well, the reason the reason I don't like the death penalty is because it might be carried out unjustly. You can't be against the death penalty and say that you're for justice because being against the death penalty is unjust. Mm-hmm. You're, you, there's no way to carry out justice for, uh, so, so in the, in the, in the case of, I've, I've, I've seen a couple of situations, uh, where there was, where there was people, I think after the Boston marathon bombing, I, I remember seeing some stuff where there were some Democrats that were speaking out that were on record as being against the death penalty that were hoping that this guy, because this was a heinous crime, they were hoping mm-hmm. that he was going to get the death penalty. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you, that's, that's saying, well, I only believe in it in certain really, really, egregious crimes that i think that so all of a sudden all of a sudden now when i feel like it if i'm I'm personally offended by the crime then i'm for it yeah Yeah. exactly if it was my kid yeah if it was my kid you got it so if my constituents were murdered then i am for the death penalty (laughs) if you have if you have a man that breaks into a house and he and, and 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 he ties up your wife and 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 children. And there was, I think, there was a doctor back in Massachusetts a few years ago that um, was the the this guy broke into his house. He he beat the guy within an inch of his life, uh, raped his wife, tied up his children, sexually assaulted them, doused gasoline on them, lit the house on fire. The dad was the only one that survived, and he was seeking the death penalty for the murderer because it was the only sense of justice, the only way that he could actually hope to do right to his wife and daughters that were, I mean, it's a heinous crime. And there's Christians that are out there that are saying, I'm opposed to the death penalty that, which means in a case like that, in the Mm -hmm. case of a heinous crime where a man has taken three lives, um, horrible, horrible situation. And you're saying that you believe that the life of this murderer who does not have any value on human life, that his life should be preserved because that's the right and just and fair thing to do, even though he puts no value on human life. I don't under, to me, that's the most skewed moral uh, argument that you could ever make. So okay, again, I like have I a question. I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. This gentleman that did that heinous crime, mm-hmm. did he financially contribute to my reelection campaign? because if so i am against the death penalty right in that case did he do we have it on record did he write a check did he write a check of ten dollars or more because if so see I, and that's i can fight against that's the death where penalty. i can feel good that's about where it. in 
in numbers, I think that that takes away that kind of corruption and injustice where it says that if a man is found guilty by more than one witness, that he shall be put to death, surely shall be put to death. And there's no way that you shall let there be any, you know, any yeah. uh, exemption to that, because then that takes away that corruption and yeah. that, you know, you got to have friends in the right places and type of thing yeah. or pay, you know, pay a good lawyer that's got the right connections and you can get off. And that's what we have right now. We have a unjust justice system that doesn't work. And so because of that, I actually uh, personally uh, don't, I've seen situations where there's uh, fathers, for instance, that are in a courtroom facing the murderer of their daughters. They have this godly anger and wrath that rises up in them when they when they see what a lenient sentence this person is going to be. You know that they're not being served justice, and this person will you know lunge lunge at the at the murderer and try to take you know strangle them or whatever. Um, and I've heard of some situations like that where where somebody actually you know. D- tracked down the guy and, and shot him yeah and in some situations i've heard that the law was was understandable with them and it when you have a justice system that doesn't work you actually mm-hmm. put people in the position you put christians in the positions that actually have any sort of a sense of justice of needing to take the law into their own hands in order to have justice mm-hmm. so supporting to me supporting Christ, christian supporting um doing away with the death penalty are actually putting themselves and other Christians in the, in the position where they almost need to be the Avenger. They need to be the one that goes out and, and, and gets back. And Jesus says for us not to do that. So if we're not supposed to do that, we have to, as Christians, we have to allow the criminal justice system to have the right to, to execute the, you know, execute the criminal. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say this in my kind of, closing point to tie it all up okay the the death penalty is required for the good of society and for capital punishment to work it must be all of the above public it must be horrifying there must be safeguards during the trial and the individual must demonstrate love while the state is dispassionate And if we could do those four things, we follow all of the commands of the Bible. We obey God in every respect, and evil is put away from us. And in the future, people that are considering doing those horrible things will see and will fear. Right. And they will be dissuaded from doing such crimes. The only, the only, uh, I would not take any issue with anything you said. The only thing that I would say is that I personally would never take pleasure. Mm-hmm. I don't think Christians should take pleasure. I think we we can take that it can bring resolve and it can bring closure uh, to to loved ones when somebody when somebody's murdered or killed and they and 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 there's some justice served. It, it can bring some closure, but as Christians, just because we don't necessarily find pleasure in in seeing somebody hung yeah. in, in the public square doesn't mean that we should be opposed to it happening Correct. yes maybe it's uncomfortable yes maybe we don't you know we're we're not out just to out to find some sort of pleasure in making this a spectator sport and we go back to the no. gladiators in the yeah. coliseum but we that doesn't mean that we go to the other extreme and say just because just because we don't find pleasure in this that we don't support it you can Correct. still support it and yes it's a horrible thing and it, it puts yes. fear into the hearts of men, but that doesn't mean that you do away with it because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, and and Caleb, keep in mind, it's supposed to be uncomfortable, and I agree that it's a horrible situation. Capital punishment is horrible. 
Right. I am never going to say that it's not. I'm saying it is necessary, and I can give you a Bible that goes along with what you're saying. God says in Ezekiel, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. That's Ezekiel 33, 11. God has no pleasure in the death of wicked people, but he does it because God is just, and therefore he must administer justice. It's not because we are sadistic. We do it for the preservation of society. Anyone that disagrees with me, go to East Baltimore and hang out there for a weekend. Okay, go to South Chicago and hang out there for a weekend where there are dozens of murders every weekend, an average of one murder every single day of the year, and that's a really good year by crime statistics in those cities. Okay, there are murders constantly. Nothing is stopping these people from murdering one another. Okay, there is crime, there are drugs, and the way that they seek revenge is by killing one another. If you want these things to stop, you can make them stop. There is a way to do it, and the way is found in the Bible. We just don't have the sand to do what's necessary. Okay. So I just came across a verse here in Deuteronomy 22.8. It says, when you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof so that you will not bring blood guilt on your house if anyone falls from it. It's, it's interesting how there is so much care and concern given to the human life that it says, you know, if you build a, ho- a house and somebody goes up on the roof, and obviously back then they probably were flat roofs and people hung out mm-hmm. up on the roof and and uh, would have, you know, been more likely to fall off of a roof then than they are now. But you're supposed to build a wall, a parapet wall around the edge of the roof so that people don't fall off the roof. So this is the same book, the same book of Deuteronomy here, that's requiring care and concern be given for human life. That's also saying if somebody kills, you need to go and stone them. Yeah. So to me, to me, the death penalty is actually pro-life because it prevents, no, no different than the parapet wall, it prevents other people from getting murdered because murderers don't repeat their offense. They're put to death and other people learn their lesson. So it, to me, it is, I think, as a pro-life Christian, that to be against the death penalty is very hypocritical and it's actually pro-murder. So you can't be, I don't think you can be pro, pro-life and against the death penalty. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, man, we are at an hour and a half, almost on the button. I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, I want to just let everyone know that, you know, I feel like saying this next part, but I'm kind of a liar because I've had a lot of things come up. So Sunday nights have not been consistent, but typically you can find us uh, live on Facebook or YouTube. If you just search the Bible Thumper podcast on Google, you will find our YouTube channel and our Facebook page, and you can be a part of the live video. We had several people chime in watching the video live asking questions you can do that as well and we would encourage you to do that every sunday night 7 p.m mountain time 8 p.m central god help you if you live on the east coast you're going to be up at at, we start at 9 p.m so i don't know if you have it in you to stay up till 10 30 or 11 listening to us but you can also download listen to share like and comment on the podcast on apple google play spotify whatever your favorite place is to download a podcast we are there just uh, search for bible thumper podcast you can always get a hold of me patrick hayes 
at BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to read an email from you. If you have a suggestion of something you want us to talk about, please let us know. We'll get into whatever subject you like. And we always want to thank our guest, uh, Caleb Jenks, for taking the time and being on here. Caleb, I love having you as a guest. We always have a fun time and a good conversation. And I always laugh really, really hard when you're on here. So I appreciate that. That's my honor. (laughs) thanks for having me yeah so with that we're gonna say good night have a good week and we'll see you next sunday night